Hi, Simon here with a quick message before this week's episode. On February the 24th, 2022, Russia invaded Ukraine in an unprovoked and unjustified attack. At the time I'm recording this message, I personally know people who are trying to survive in bomb shelters in Kiev and others who have taken up arms to defend their country. Here at the conference room, our thoughts and prayers are with our friends and colleagues in Ukraine and the whole of the Ukrainian people, but thoughts and prayers are not enough. As President Kennedy said in the name of Thomas Burke, all it takes for evil to succeed is for good people to do nothing. So let's do something. In the show notes for this episode and for every episode of the conference room while the people of Ukraine are fighting for their country, we'll post links of how you can help, reputable organizations you can donate to that will help the Ukrainian people, and reliable sources of information about what's happening on the ground. As individuals, we may not be able to stand up to Putin ourselves, but let's all do something and not let this evil triumph on our watch. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Growing a small business has never been easy. So how can we build our companies and shortcut the learning curve? By getting advice from the people who've done it before. Everything you need to grow your business is right here. I'm Simon Lader. Welcome to the conference room. Good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. I'm joined by Rena Friedman Watts. Rena is a former TV producer. She's a media expert and podcast host who breaks down doors and connects you with game changers. She's a former producer on the Jerry Springer show and now hosts her own successful podcast, Better Call Daddy, and is a master at helping senior executives find their voice and showcase their value on TV print, social media, and on podcasts. And I'm delighted to say that she's here with us in the conference room. Rena, good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love that intro. Thank you very much. So every hero has an origin story and you're the hero of our story. So tell me, how did someone get from university through to producing the Jerry Springer show? And then from that, doing what you're doing right now. Yeah. So my first college that I started out at, I got a singing scholarship, which is a story in itself. So I auditioned for a youth performing arts school in high school, didn't get in. And that was the first time that my daddy went to bat for me. He was like, okay, what does she have to do to get in? And I ended up taking voice lessons and learning to sing in a foreign language and taking piano lessons over the summer. And I re-auditioned and got in on the second try. So instrumental in just how everything unfolds. So I spent four years with this teacher who did not initially accept me into his program. And from that, you know, that was my real like first tough rejection. And I never really felt up to par with everybody else who I was surrounded by. I felt like they were more talented than me, you know, were going to be more successful than me. So I just wanted to blend in with them. But the thing is, is when you get put in an environment where everyone around you is more talented than you, you are going to become better if you put in the effort. And so I didn't quit. And my dad, you know, made me take voice lessons all through the four years. And finally, my senior year, I felt like I had gotten to the level where I could sing out and I auditioned for a solo. I ended up getting one. We sang in Carnegie Hall twice. I mean, it was just amazing being a part of this group. 
And we sang at the mayor's inauguration. We sang at graduation. And the very last couple of weeks of high school, you audition for colleges. You have like the college reps come. And so Nicole Scherzinger, who's now been like in the Pussycat Dolls and, you know, Dancing with the Stars, she's become like this tremendous talent. She was a year older than me. She took me into the music closet and she said, I want you to focus on me you've got this, you know, your song you've prepared, go out there. I'm going to sit in the front row and don't focus on any of them. And I did that. And I felt so encouraged by that. And I ended up getting two offers to two smaller schools, but I did get full ride offers. And I ended up going to an art school in West Virginia. And I did that for two years. And I got to sing the Star Spangled Banner at a basketball game. And I sang at a synagogue locally that even participated in my scholarship. And it was great, but it was very small town. And I was like the only Jewish girl in my entire college. And I felt like the high school that I went to was more competitive and harder than the college that I entered. Mm. And so I ended up transferring my junior year, which I feel like was at the right time because I had kind of learned how college worked, like learned how to go to my professors, learned how to study, learned what I liked and didn't like. And then I transferred to Purdue, which was, you know, going from 2,500 students to 38,000. It was a big jump. And I went from being, you know, a big fish in a small pond to then really getting a reality check. I also went from a 4.0 or a 3.98 over two years to then getting my first C and really having to challenge myself again. But what was amazing about Purdue is that I walked into a radio station on campus and I said, I want to work in radio. And then timing was amazing. There was somebody leaving the station like the week that I walked in there. And so I took a job working 5 a.m. to like 9 a.m., which was the morning drive shift. And this was pre-automation. Mm. So I learned how to fill the dead air and throw on music in a bind and run the station. And I got so much free reign there. Like, you know, I got to practice announcing and sing when nobody was in the booth with me and record myself and make demo tapes. And it was such an amazing thing. I thought I wanted to work in radio. I drive up to Chicago. I got an interview at WGN through the alumni office and again, didn't get the job. Mm. <laughs> I was like, oh. But what was amazing is while I was up in Chicago, I saw that Jerry Springer was looking for interns in the same courtyard. So I walked across to NBC Tower the day I got rejected from WGN, told them I had an interview with the intern coordinator and ended up starting two weeks later. Wow. So how long were you working on the Jerry Springer show? I was there for two whole seasons and then I produced the season opener to a third season. So I was there for a little bit over two years, which was, I feel like the learning ground for everything that I've done. I learned how to cast a good story. I learned how to pitch a story. I learned how to brief guests. I learned how to manage a budget. All of those things all started there. I went from intern to producer in one season. And it's funny because when I moved to Chicago, I didn't know my way around Chicago and they gave me petty cash. And I just had to go like entertain these interns and bring them all around town. I was learning around town with them, you know, so I was going to House of Blues and all these diners and they were giving me cigarettes and spending money and I was going to Navy Pier and it was just and then too, what I learned from befriending the guests was what kind of stories they were looking for, you know, what kind of guests made a good story. And so I went from hanging out with the guests to then booking the guests to then pitching the stories to then rating what was a good story to then managing a team of three and producing my own episode at the end of eight months of being an associate producer. 
So fast forwarding to now. So tell me about the problems that you solve for your clients. When you kind of come into to work with a client, what's a typical problem that you're solving for them? So my most two recent clients, they are executives, they're busy, they're focused on their business. They don't really have time to do the research that it takes to get on podcasts. I feel like if you want to connect with a podcast host, you need to listen to their podcast. You need to know the subject matters that they're covering and what interests them. And have they guessed it on other shows? Who do they want to connect with? What is the value that they are wanting to bring to their audience? And how do you fit in with that? Right? So if somebody is focused on technical recruiting, or if somebody is focused on a startup that they're developing, they don't really have the time to be befriending people that don't fit into their business. So that's where I come in. You know, I have a podcast of my own. I'm connecting with podcasters all the time. I know what kind of guests all of these podcasters want. And so now I'm kind of like matchmaking the people that I've had on my show and the people that are looking for guests or the people that want to fill up their guests with podcasts. I've helped on both sides. You know, it's funny, people started coming to me and they were like, I love the guests on your show. Can I have some of them for mine? And I'm like, actually, that's a service I provide. Or then, <laughs> you know, I had people say, I love being a guest on your podcast. Are there other shows? shows that you feel I would be a fit for. And I'm like, that's a service that I provide. But if you want that to be a good service, it's not just making the introduction. It's does the guest have a professional headshot? Do they have a bio? Do they have speaking points? If you want to go next level, it's even, do they have a media kit? Do they know how to speak in sound bites? Do they have a good mic? What's their setup? Do you need to coach them before they go on the podcast, right? Like there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just making an introduction. So what makes you a good podcast guest? The kinds of guests I love are open books. The ones that aren't going to say after, you know, I said something I didn't really want you to put in there. Okay, maybe if it's like a 30 second clip, that's not a big deal. But people that are comfortable in who they are, they can own their mistakes. They can speak to them like things that are Googleable about you. You need to have a story around. Right. Okay. And in terms of making somebody kind of more presentable on a podcast, more engaging, what do you think separates the people that are more engaging for that are less, the people that are going to be more listenable, if that's a word, than others? Right. So I think the people that are more listenable are the ones that, one, they do their research about the show. Okay. So if the show at the end, like mine, always asks, is there anything you want to ask my dad? They've thought about that. They have a unique question, whether it's fun, whether it relates to their life, they have something ready. Like a lot of times podcasts, you know, they might do a rapid fire at the end of just fun questions, but know that that's coming. Is there something that that host always does? Like you asked me my origin story. You need to have one, right? So kind of know your host, know the show. I would at least listen to a couple of episodes before going on someone's podcast. So you know the questions they may ask you. It's kind of like preparing for a test. What are the past tests? You might not yeah. get exactly those questions, but you may get something similar. Right. And if nothing else, also just knowing what the style of the show is, I have to tell you, I mean, you and I chatted before we came on here, right? And it's interesting kind of looking through the looking glass a little bit, right? Because it's interesting that for me, what makes a good podcast guest is somebody who is, you use the phrase open book, and I would absolutely endorse that. And for me, it's just somebody who is comfortable just having a chat, okay? On the one hand, I do find that sometimes some of the guests, and if 
if you listen back to some of these, you'll know. Some of them are very, very unstructured. And I have to work really hard. And then my editor have to work really hard, kind of making some kind of coherent sense through this kind of long meandering conversation, right? To be honest, I'd prefer that than the other end of the scale where it's just staccato answers and one word, yes, no, or fill-ins. And I'm thinking, I really want to get more because I know that my audience wants to get more, right? So I want people to feel comfortable just opening up, okay? So I'm wondering when you are coaching some of your executives, right, to be more open on a podcast, And if someone is just generally a bit of an introvert and doesn't feel comfortable, what steps would you guide them to take to become a more engaging guest on a podcast? Yeah, that's a great question. And if someone does reveal to me that they're a bit of an introvert and that they might freeze up a little bit, I would try to dig deeper into like, what are their values? What are they passionate about? What do they like talking about? Because if you can get them to open up about something, whether it's they're an EMT, whether it's they're a dad, whether it's they've had a mentor, whether it's somebody that's made a big difference in their life. Like you need to find the angle of what lights them up, what gets them to go deeper. Because otherwise you will get those staccato answers. I was recently on a show where somebody just literally answered, they asked me the six questions that they sent me and there was zero back and forth. And as a guest, you have to be prepared for that. If you wanted to be engaging and you have a new interviewer that just simply wants you to answer questions, then you're going to have to carry the conversation. Yeah. So some role play. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, you and I actually talked about this before we came on air, but there are some podcasts that I've been a guest on where it's a very, very structured podcast where it's like, here's my question. I'd like an answer, please. Okay. Here's my next question. I'd like an answer. Okay. And no back and forth, almost like taking it, like participating in a questionnaire or a survey than being interviewed. Right. And then there are some that go as far as sending you the questions in advance. Okay. Right. Which the first time that happened to me, I thought, okay, that's very nice. They're giving me some questions to kind of prepare. So these are the things we're going to jump off of. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then when the interview came, there was no jumping off. Those were the questions. And that was it, right? Or even further along that side of the spectrum are the ones where I've had people saying, could you send us a list of the questions you'd like us to ask you? And I'm like, I'm not Tom Cruise just releasing a movie. You know, whatever the subject matter of the podcast is, if you think I'm appropriate, let's just have a conversation, right? Through to the other side, where it's completely and utterly unstructured, where it's all over the place. And what I try to do is to kind of weave down the middle where there is some structure. I mean, if you listen to, and I know you have, listened to a few episodes, you'll know that there are a handful of pretty standard questions I ask all the guests, because it just gives a spine, gives something of a skeleton off which we can hang the conversation right but otherwise it does rely a lot on back and forth and i see my job as the podcast host to elect and go hunting for the magic you know go and find where that is to be fair there are some guests where it's much easier to find because they're much more open when you ask them a question of for example, some of the problems you solve for your clients, which is a question I ask everyone, right? Or there are specialists in a particular area, right? Some of the problems that you solve for your clients. And then they go, right, well, here are the problems I find. Problem number one is this. Two is this. Three is four is five is this. Six is this. And here's how I solve them. 
how I solve problem number one is I do this and this and this. And let me tell you a really interesting story about a client that I had that had this problem. And that's great. That for me is just like, I've drilled into the middle of a Californian sunshine and oil has just shot out of the top. And that's wonderful, right? And then there are others where I've literally got to be painstakingly digging and digging and digging. And I'm curious as to the coaching you would give to uh, podcast guests to make themselves more open, to make themselves more engaging, whether it's the use of stories, whether it's the use of analogies, whether it's drawing on their own history or something that happened the other day. I mean, are there any particular kind of go-to tools that you would I can tell you just today, somebody that I was reaching out on their behalf, you know, you can make an amazing intro and somebody will be like, you know, because you sent me that person, Rena, like I trust that they're good. But like the person who you're introducing, they need to have your back in the response. They need to be like, I've checked out your show. Here's why I think I'm good for it. You know, I can say it, but you need to re-say it. Yeah. Like you need to echo what I just said about you. Not just here's my Calendly link or how does this time work, right? Right. So the coaching happens right from the introduction. So after I got a couple of those responses, he is a new client. I found an article on Forbes and it said how to be a great podcast guest. And it was literally like eight minutes long. And I emailed it to him and I said, here is just something quick that you can listen to, something you can consider when responding to the email intros that I make you. Because you know what? That's a nice way of giving a little bit of additional coaching and maybe somebody will say it a little bit differently than me. Right. So just providing them with a little bit of resources, like, hey, you know, these things work. I recommend doing this. And he said, oh, I just listened. Thank you. That was great. And then, you know, the next introduction, it's a learning process. Right. Okay. How different <laughs> is preparing a guest for a podcast than preparing guests for a TV show? Obviously, most yes. podcasts are audio only. Okay? Yeah. But that aside, what would you say are the primary differences between the preparation you put into preparing somebody for a podcast than how you might have prepared them for the Jerry Springer show? They may not necessarily need to duck for furniture, but other than that. Oh my God. Well, when I was preparing people to go out on stage for television, we would get them there six hours before taping and we would put them into different green rooms if there was three people in the story you've got the husband the wife and then the mistress right or the boyfriend right and you're role-playing with them you are going to tell them the intro that's going to be said they're going to be welcomed out on the stage they know they're part of the story and here's what the next person is going to say and it's just a lot of role-playing so that you're pretty much telling them what is going to be said to them and they need to have their prepared response obviously in a show like Jerry Springer there's a lot more action and sometimes you're going to forget things that you want to say because there could be chairs flying in your direction but here's something else last year I produced an in-person podcast So it was a video series. I was supervising a three camera shoot with a new host. I did recommend that this host get improv training. I did recommend that he get some coaching on how to speak in sound bites. I recommended that he guest on other shows, whether that's small shows or more successful shows than his. I think it's a good idea to push yourself for bigger shows because you're going to get more professional hosts and smaller shows because they have a dedicated audience. Yeah. I have to ask, by the way, while we're talking, how much of the Jerry Springer show was, for want of a better term, genuine versus stage? So for example, when the guy comes out and he gets down on one knee and he gets a ring and he says, I really want you to marry me. She goes, yeah, but there's something I need to tell you. I'm a preoperative transvestite, right? How much of those 
were real situations. Right. So NDA wise, I'm not sure how much I can say, but here's what I will say. This is kind of like my common answer to that. That's what everybody always wants to know. Like, was it real or fake? The thing is, is when I worked there in, oh my gosh, 2001, it is so much easier to produce real versus not real. Okay. Like if you have a married couple and they've really been together for 20 years and you have a mistress that's been banging on the door for two and a half years, you don't have to do much briefing. The wife wants a piece of her. But did they know? So when the surprise guest came out, did they know that the surprise guest was coming out? Okay. So with surprise guests, I don't know if you know about the Jenny Jones situation, but there was like a murder that occurred after she did a surprise reveal on her show. And I worked there like shortly after that. And so when I worked at Jerry Springer, tell me the background of that. What happened with that? I'm not familiar with that situation. Somebody went on her show and said- Jenny Jones was a Jerry Springer Jenny Jones was another talk show, actually in the studio next to ours. She had a guest that came on and said, if you, I think it was a guy, basically he said, if you bring out somebody that tells me some gay stuff, I'm not going to like that. I better not be here to find something like that out. And that was the secret. And he ended up killing the person. And so after that happened, you could not bring a guest on without giving them a list of like three possibilities of what they were going to hear and saying, are you okay hearing these three situations? You might not tell them which guest it is or which situation it is, but they had to agree to hearing those things. Right. So we secret released each guest of the news that they could potentially hear. We didn't tell them the name of the person involved, Okay. but we did say, hey, you know, if you're going to hear that your husband is gay, or if you're going to hear that your husband is sleeping with a transsexual, or if you're going to hear that your husband's sleeping with a prostitute, can you handle that? We would give them three different scenarios and they did have to agree to being okay hearing those things to come. Right. Okay. Wow. So I'm sure that since then, everything's kind of almost paled into- Easy peasy. Relative easiness, right, absolutely. So what would you say have been the most challenging situations you faced in preparing an executive for a media presence? So the hardest thing is that, you know, if I'm the one handling so much of the work, if I'm pre-interviewing the guest that the host is going to interview and I'm writing the script and I'm doing all the background research and then the host is just showing up and hosting it, the host better know how to pronounce the name. The host better have done some background research. The host better not read it just 10 minutes before he gets there and thinks he's a seasoned pro. Like you can have somebody that is there to produce the show and tell you, hey, we need to do a pickup or hey, this is how you pronounce his name. But the best hosts are also co-collaborators. They want it to be amazing. They want it to be polished. They also are invested in doing some of the research or at least being prepared beforehand. It can't be last minute. It's noticeable. Absolutely. And I can tell also when I'm guesting on other people's podcasts or when I've had guests come on. Early on, I thought I could wing it very, very quickly. And these were not the pre-broadcast like kind of trial runs. I realized that, I mean, I've been interviewing professionally for 25 years, right? I can't wing it, you know, however new I was to podcasting, you know? So what would you say are your top three tips for someone to be a successful podcast guest? Top three tips for being a successful podcast guest. Yeah. You have to know what amps you up prior 
I honestly even think if you're a runner, hop on the treadmill. If you need a coffee, get a coffee. If you need to listen to an episode before being on and then have like an hour break. So it's not just like all of this information in your mind, like treat it like a job interview, right? Like, do you need to put on a jam? Do you need to put on like a song that pumps you up? Like you want to be in like your optimal state, because you want to be able to deliver your best self, your best message. Even the host that I was working with on that live presentation all of last year, he did vocal warm-up exercises before he went there. And in between guests, I had him do some jumping around. You know what I mean? Like you need to have energy. You can't look slumped over. You can't look disinterested. All of that on video is noticeable. So my top tips are like, know how to get in your peak performance, be well rested, drink some water, know who you're talking to, do your research, bring the energy, know your sound bites, just prepare. Those are the number three things I would recommend. So Rena, what's next for you and for your business? You know, I've had to pivot many times in being an entrepreneur. And I recently met with a business coach, even I was like, how many people do I want to place on podcasts per month? How many shows do I want to produce, right? In order to produce a good show where I am booking the guest, writing the scripts, briefing the host, how many of those can I do unless I really grow my team? So I think I was able to do that last year. Like I was able to produce three or four other people's podcasts. I love doing that. I have a love for the creativity. I have a love for helping people bring their ideas to light. Like I would like to do a couple of those and then maybe just a couple I would say maybe three or four executives a month where I can like really help them land their first shows and be proud of telling their stories. Like I only want to work with people who are ready to deliver their messages and like they've never done it before. Actually, those are some of my favorite people to get out there. Like the diamonds in the rough that are like, I've now exited a startup or I've created a new online course or I've created a book or they're doing something really exciting that I love helping helping entrepreneurs that have never told their story, get out there and do it. That's incredible. If there are any entrepreneurs listening to this, and I hope there are many that would like to work with you, what's the best way for them to reach out? The best way for them to reach out is on LinkedIn at Rena Friedman Watts, or they can message me at Rena at bettercalldaddy.com. Okay, great stuff. And I'll make sure that all that is included in our show notes. Rena Friedman Watts, thank you so much for joining us here on the conference room. It's been an absolute delight spending time with you, getting to know you and hearing all those stories about Jerry Springer and how you've taken that and applied it to the modern podcasting world and to the benefit that you bring to your audience. I know that I'm certainly, well, I'm sure I'm going to become a better podcast host having spent some time with with you and maybe a better podcast guest as well. Rena Freeman-Watts, thank you so much for joining us on The Conference Room. Thank you so much for having me. Coming up next week on The Conference Room, I'll be talking to trademark, copyright and contracts attorney, Mariam Tatsorian. Number one thing that almost every single business owner struggles with is having the best contracts to protect themselves, their businesses when dealing with independent contractors. They don't want to invest in proper contracts to protect themselves and then end up using something they found online. So a lot of the times this comes back to bite them because these policies are very specific. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you visit our website, theconferenceroompodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, plus links to the resources mentioned during the podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this, make sure you subscribe so that you're always the first to know 
when each episode is released. Also, please take the time to review the podcast so the more people who want to grow their businesses can find us. To talk about this or any other podcast, or in fact anything business-related whatsoever, find me on Twitter, at Simon Lader, or you can find me by searching for Simon Lader or Silesia Academy on Facebook or on LinkedIn. I'm always open to a conversation. Thanks for listening to The Conference Room. Until next time, keep talking.